Welcome back to episode three. Thanks for coming back. We're really excited today because we have our very first guest with us. Um, in this episode, we'll be discussing all things mental health, and so we thought we'd bring in our good friend for a chat about her own experiences. Yeah. Before we start, we want to acknowledge that parts of our chat today may be triggering for some people. We'll be touching on things relating to depression, suicide, and PTSD. If you feel in any way that this episode may be triggering for you, please feel free to skip this episode. Uh, With that being said, due to the nature of what we will be talking about today, our lovely friend would like to remain anonymous. So, let's get into it. So, welcome to our lovely anonymous guest. Would you (laughs) like to start by introducing yourself? Yeah, so I am a 23-year-old... I am a teacher, a primary school teacher. I identify as cisgender and gay. Um, and we've been friends for... Yeah, since year 10? Yeah, what year was it? I think it was year 10. I don't think we liked each other in year 9, put it that way. You didn't like me. I didn't like you. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. I get that often. <laughs> and then I think we sat together... We in... were in a seating plan. Oh, yeah. Oh, this happens yeah. to a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. And I think I asked you for a pencil and then like... Oh, it was all it was history. Just the friendship was there. made. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we've been friends ever since. Yeah, you stuck with me. We've stuck together. We thought that you'd be a really good person to bring in today because you've always been super passionate about mental health and we know that you have kind of got lived experiences um, in this field. Uh, do you want to start off by telling us a little bit about those experiences, a little bit of an overview about you and... I guess what mental health means to you. Yeah. So before anything else, I just want to put a little disclaimer out there that I am not a professional in any way, shape or form. All I am speaking about is my personal experiences with mental health. Um, Everyone's experience is different. People with mental health issues could completely disagree with me and that's fine. Don't take anything I say to heart. And also, big thing, if you're struggling, I know that the girls will put some phone numbers and links into the bio of this episode so please look into those if you need them so I've had kind of generalized anxiety pretty much since I was a toddler um PTSD since I was 14 and depression since I was 15 um this is my first time speaking so publicly about mental health Mm. um but like I keep saying that like you know the the, the taboo of mental health and the stigma of mental health needs to end, but I can't say that and then like hide behind it. So mm-hmm. yeah, here I am. No one can see your face. No, and that's yeah. I think helpful. this is a great yeah, a great little platform to for you to speak on because yeah, no one knows who you are, mm. and it's you're just uh, initially speaking to us, so it's we're just in a calm environment. Yeah, just having a chat with girls. friends. Yeah, yeah. having a yeah. chat. Yeah, over a coffee. With a few people listening. <laughs> yeah. that we'll never know who it yeah. is. So. Just a couple people listening. Yeah, <laughs> one. <laughs> Me. <laughs> <Lisa> <laughs> you'll, you'll be listening back. You're like, yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> oh, um, okay, cool. Do you want to let everyone know who doesn't know um, what? What PTSD stands for, mm-hmm. what that kind of is. Yeah, so PTSD stands for post-traumatic stress disorder, and that is the essentially the mental illness that you get after experiencing a traumatic event. So kind of an example would be everyone who was in the Christchurch earthquakes mm-hmm. has PTSD, some form of PTSD, um, and their triggers might be um, loud noises yeah. or 
uh, yeah, so I went through a traumatic event um, when I was 14, and so now that's something that I live with pretty much the rest of my life and have to work through. Uh-huh. And is that something that at that time at 14, did you know what that was? Oh, no idea. Mm. No clue that that was a thing. And it was so kind of liberating to get validation that that is a thing. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like at 14, you, like, yeah, you're, you're probably not going to be able to recognize that this is, yeah, I can actually put a label, someone can actually tell me, this is what you're feeling, it's really normal, mm-hmm. and this is why it's happened, mm-hmm. and this is, yeah, typically a result of Yeah, and it's real, like it's not in your head, mm. no. you're not overreacting, you, you know, so what it's been years, you, you're not expected to be over it, mm. yeah. Can you go to the doctors and do you, can you get medication for that kind of thing, or is it something that you actually just need, um, like, psychological help? You can get anxiety medication, mm-hmm. and PTSD is a form of anxiety. Um, but personally, for me, that is a last option. And yeah. for others, it could be their first option, and that's fine. But for me, I'd rather do therapy and exposure therapy and that kind of thing um, before I consider taking medication. But you can, not specifically for PTSD, but for anxiety. Mm. So what is exposure therapy? So I think it's helpful to explain that my trauma was um, when I was 14, my mum and I had a bunch of men break into our house. Um, so for me, a massive trigger is being in the house at night alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so exposure therapy for me would be, um, you know, perhaps staying in the house alone at night for an hour and then leaving and then the next week staying in the house for two hours and then leaving. So really gradually exposing yourself to your trigger um, in the hopes that it gets easier and that eventually I can spend the whole night in the house by myself and right. not feel triggered. Uh-huh. Yeah. So did you ever actually go and seek therapy for that particular incident? Yeah, I went to the school counsellor and put in kind of a request form to see her, but never heard back, which was super disheartening and, and validating because that's what they're there for and I had been through a trauma and there was a little box on the form that said, you know, is it urgent? And I took yes and... Yeah, that would be really hard, um, putting a request in and, and not hearing back. How did that kind of make you feel, like, moving forward from this? Like, mm. did you know where to go next? Yeah, I mean, reaching out for help is a bloody hard thing to do. So even putting that little, you know, piece of paper in the request box was so hard and yeah. then so invalidating not to hear back that I was kind of like, you know, once burned, twice shy kind of thing. Uh-huh. I didn't want to reach out again. And I didn't know where else to go. She was the school counsellor. She was easy access. Um, Especially when you're 14. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I know that they're there because, you know, like the purpose of a school counsellor is so that you you don't have to, like, in some cases, you don't have to ask your parents or, you know, you don't have to go and pay, have your parents pay, like, 100 bucks a session. Yeah. Um, it should be easily accessible and... Yeah, like I feel really sad that in that moment as a 14-year-old, yeah, that was your experience. And that was my very first experience with mental health or counselling at mm. all, and it was a bad one. And like, not to, like, I have to say that it turned out to be really good. Like, I did eventually see this counsellor for a different thing, and she was incredible, and she probably saved my life. So like, you know, just because it started bad doesn't mean it was always bad. Yeah. That's really good, and I'm really happy to hear that it worked out for you in the end, that you were able to go and see her and actually get something out of it. Mm. Um, do you want to talk a little bit next about possibly what came next with your depression? Yeah. So, obviously, we connected on 
all sorts of things that I think I was going through at that time. And she kind of started to, to say, you know, I was showing signs of depression and what that meant for me. And I kind of just started to get lower and lower. I was really going on a really steep decline. Mm-hmm. And so she referred me when I was 16 to a adolescent mental health facility um, as an outpatient. Um, so that was kind of my next thing. I was I went there with my mum and I was referred and assessed. Sorry, I was assessed there, which was essentially just me, my mum, and these two ladies sitting in a room and they kind of interviewed me. And now looking back, my mum should never have been in that room. Because mm. I'm not going to sit next to my mum, who's only just found out that I have depression, and say, yeah, I, I'm suicidal. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, this is how I'm feeling. Like, I was never going to say that next to my mum. Mm. So I wasn't, didn't meet their criteria because I didn't say I was suicidal. Um, That's stressful, eh? I just think, like, there's so many situations where, and this is why I'm saying, like, school counselling is so is so good that, that it is there. Because Absolutely. far out, like, you're... I think you have been, like, because I know you and your situ- your relationship with your mum and stuff, like, obviously you're at a good point with all of that now. Yeah. But, like, back then, oh, there'd be so many kids in situations yeah. where that is just an absolute no-go. There's no way no. they're telling You don't want to say in front of your mum that you want to mm. officer. I think saying it out loud, even for the first time, it, yeah, is that's exactly right. massive. Yeah. Yeah. And having to say that in front of your mum is just... yeah. Yeah, so on one hand, I knew I needed to be completely honest with these people to mm-hmm. get the help that I need. On the other hand, there was no way I was going to say that with my mum sitting next to me. So when you say you didn't meet the criteria, mm-hmm. what did that mean? They looked after high-risk people, so people who were imminently going to harm themselves. Mm-hmm. So shortly after a couple of weeks, they had their meeting and kind of, you know, discussed and said that I didn't meet the criteria because I wasn't suicidal. What I heard as a 16-year-old was attempt suicide, come back and we'll help you. Mm. Which, oh my gosh. Yeah. For me, I was like, I'm telling you that I want to kill myself. And mm. you're like, well, you haven't done it yet. So so you're fine. Yeah. Go back to school. Exactly. Far out. Try it and then we'll help you. And then we'll oh take you seriously. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, so you, you got referred here, there, and you... And you had these appointments, mm-hmm. and and then you didn't go back. No, because you didn't meet absolute, the criteria. Yeah, no, and I, I, and in yourself, you didn't want to go back as well. No, no, like having been told by professionals that you didn't meet their criteria or you weren't bad enough. Like I can't believe they even would. Yeah, the criteria, like what even is a yeah, criteria? Mm-hmm. Exactly. With mental yeah. health, especially, I don't. There's not a tick box. Yeah, and they can't read your mind. Like yes, I know. I mean. Obviously, we know that these people, they're trained, they know what they're doing, 100%. but, like, they can't read your mind. They, mm. they they should have had you on your own. They should have had me on my own. And they should really know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It doesn't take, like, a genius to know yeah. that a kid, because you were a kid, I was a kid, is, yeah, is going to hold things back when they're sitting in a room with their mum. Yeah. What about, like, hey, we've had, you know, um, we've brought you in with your mum, but we actually kind of want to delve a bit deeper into things. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of asking you... Who you want in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, even that though, because I'm not going to say in front of my mum, yeah, not her. (laughs) Right. Or even five minutes at the end, just say, you know, you know, mum's going to ask you to step out for a few minutes, Mm. you know, just want to have a few minutes. And then that's when I could say, fuck everything I just said, sorry. Yeah, Yeah, it was all bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Just lied through my teeth. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Yeah. So I feel like walking away from that experience where you've been kind of, I don't know, discredited kind of thing. Mm hmm. You can go one of two ways. You can either think, well, they don't care about me, so I'm going to prove to them and I'm going to do it. Or, you know, fuck you. I'm going to do this myself. If yeah. you're not going to help me, I'm going to bloody do it. Mm, yeah. Which, thankfully, I went that way and pulled myself out of it. Yeah. yeah. But absolutely 
could have easily, and I know a lot of people do, go the other way, which is disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that happened. You obviously didn't go back. Mm -hmm. You carried on with the school counselling. I did, and really put my mind to pulling myself out, which I really don't want to downplay how fuck and hard yeah. that is. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. And just a reminder, you're 16 as yeah. well, hey? Yeah. And you're looking at, I mean, you'll always be looking at people older than you and expecting them to like know best and to guide mm -hmm. you and you just you naturally do that as a kid especially and so, professionals this yeah so to have professionals to yeah not really help you out in that situation yeah. it would have taken a lot for you to be like actually i'm not gonna stop here mm -hmm. like i know pers i know i need help mm -hmm. i'm gonna have to kind of like be in charge of this myself yeah yeah which is huge yeah so I started, what I did was I started running the length of Arriva Beach every single night after school. I remember this. Yeah. Oh my god! I would come to school and my calf muscles would be so friggin' sore because oh, wow. I was running all day, like, after school. I remember that you said to me that you think that beach was partly saved your life because... Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Like, to this day, Arriva Beach will always have a special place in my heart because oh, it beach. genuinely saved my life. Mm -hmm. Every day, I would just put my music in, I would take my dog. What did that kind run. of do for you, like, running? Was it... It was the combination of the intense exercise, the music, the beach, and my being with my dog. Like, yeah. it was a whole bunch of things that were good for my mental health together every day. Um, and honestly, I can't even tell you the 180 that, that I did. Like, it was... That's amazing. Yeah. Amazing like, to this day, I can't something. believe I did that. Yeah. Like, and I someone cannot. else could be like, uh, you're fucking dreaming. There's no way I'm doing that. Oh, yeah. But, but that yeah. worked for you. And yeah, like Grace just said, it's like amazing that mm -hmm. you found something. Obviously, there's lots of other factors here yeah. that like helped you get through things. But yeah, that's so cool. Having that, that one thing that I think some people say like it gets them out of bed for or yeah. um, you find like a passion in it. And then, yeah, if, if that really helps you, then it's amazing that, yeah, you did find that one thing obviously yeah lots of other factors mm -hmm. but just going out in the afternoon and going for that run of your dog obviously was just life-changing mm -hmm. for you yeah absolutely and to find that is just yeah yeah and such a strength. simple easy i mean like obviously running is for some people like no way you know yeah. but especially but it, when you have depression yes like it's leaving it the house would be hard. yeah and like it started with like a five minute walk yeah and that's the thing, it's like you start with just drive to the beach and then turn around and come home. Yeah. Mm. That's all that you can do that day. Because um, I really don't want to downplay how hard it was. Like yep. it really yep. was, especially with depression, it's, it feels impossible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it saved my life. So you think like putting, like not putting pressure on, we talked about this and I'll yeah. um, chat about lockdown and like little things, like yeah. how we would find going for a walk sometimes, like the hardest thing mm -hmm. in the world, mm -hmm. when actually we bloody love a walk, mm. and you'd just be in such a bad, you know, frame of mind, um, but yeah, we talked about like not putting pressure on mm -hmm. what the the outcome or little excursion is going to be, yeah. like yeah. if you're not saying you're going to go for a 10k walk and mm. come back feeling sweaty and that yeah. you've worked out, but if it was just getting outside mm -hmm. and walking to the end of your driveway, and then going further and then further, or yeah, just accepting mm. that getting outside is the best for you in that mm. moment. Like, mm. doing it is fine, regardless of the outcome. Yeah. And I really like the way you said, just walk to the end of your drive-by. If that's all that you can handle that day, mm. then, like... And then you have that satisfaction of, like, I bloody did it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and anything um, further than that, or bigger than that, will exactly. be, like, an accomplishment. And it proves that you're making progress. Even if it's just two steps more every yeah. day, you're making progress. Yeah. Love that. That's really, really I forgot good. about that little thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you've been there through all of it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's actually been a good been few a years of... Yeah. Yeah, we've been friends for... I guess I've been your friend for a lot of... All Most of that of part of your life. Yeah. I would... Yeah. I think the bit that I missed would have been the the break-in, like the, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. But then from then on, probably we were... You were there for all of it. We became friends. Yeah. And I mean, that's... That's the only trauma that I'm going to disclose, but there was others, mm. and you were there every step of the way through them. Mm. Like you were. It's such a like funny. I mean, obviously we know this, but it's such a funny friendship that we have because if we hadn't have sat together in that class, mm. like we just wouldn't have no. even talked to each other ever. Yeah, and to this day, I'm so thankful for that seating plan. And how yeah. crazy is it that that's the way that we became friends? The way things work out because like we, even now after all these years, are still polar opposites Mm -hmm. like honestly everything we do I reckon and think and I mean we've got the same morals and values and like we're very aligned with that kind of thing but in terms of how we are as people and our interests and everything we're so different yeah but it's so cool that and I don't know if it's because of what you went through and like you know whether that was I guess because we were both friends through that thick of that time I don't know if that's like what strengthened us from the start or or what but yeah, just it's quite interesting that I think it just works. Like we kind of balance each other out in yeah. some way. Like I'm kind of yeah, we balance each other out. You kind of stress out, and I'm like, yeah, as fuck. Like yeah. you'll call me and be like, yeah, yeah. we kind of have this and you're thing. Like, pull your hair out your ass. Yeah, <laughs> no, but like kind of exposing you here. But like you know, you'll call me every time you call me. It's like each time that I'm like, oh my god, girl, honestly, mm. what more can one person handle? Exactly. Every time, because we we're the kind of friends that we will go months without talking. Yeah, but then we have like a. F- really really good catch up and every time we have a catch up I'm like okay so you always start I with I have tummy. a new trauma to yeah. add to the list so you'll be like hey you go first because I'm going to be talking for a while <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like always like shocked by What's the things that come your way and the way that you overcome it kind of thing yeah through that time you were the only person and I genuinely mean only person in the entire world that I told and confided in yeah so like it felt like I wasn't doing it alone Wow. Getting really like a confidence boost. (laughs) Yeah. No, I remember that you would you would call me at two in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Full blown breakdown. Full breakdown. And you'd like click into that like council mode, like like, I'm here for it. This is my job here. Yeah. Well don't make it sound like a job. No, but as in like in myself, (laughs) I get this feeling of like, okay, this is what I'm here like not this is what I'm here for, but you know, I get this weird thing inside me that I'm just like, she's called me right now. You know, like, I'm not going to let her hang up yeah. without feeling somewhat better. Yeah. Like, she can just go to sleep and start a new day. Yeah. <laughs> Are you jealous? <laughs> I want to come. <laughs> yeah, well, let me come to the next one. <laughs> okay, this could lead on to a, a, another question here. Uh-huh. So, talking about friendships mm. and that kind of thing, like, obviously going through what you've been through in high school, and you said I was the only person that you talked to. Mm-hmm. What was that like for you in school? Because you had other friends. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you know, but yeah. like there are other people in your life. Yeah. And like, like you're living this life and like going through school and no one mm-hmm. knows... It just shows that you have absolutely no idea what people are going you through. You have no idea. Mm. And even like to this day, if I'm having a depressive episode, I will go to work and I will laugh and I'll yeah. talk for hours. Like no one would have a clue. But you don't know, like, people come home and then they go to bed and they spend the rest of the night in bed. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. you have no idea. And the whole day at school was so exhausting because I was putting on a mask and 
And like, I was relentlessly bullied in school, like relentlessly. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I remember the people that bullied me. And mm, yeah. I just keep thinking, like, if only you knew. Yeah. Mm. And like to this day, I'm like, if you bully someone, and if you think, you know, if tomorrow I found out they killed themselves, yeah. how would I feel? Yeah. Mm. I know. It's you would just... know you contributed to that. Yeah. What is it? What does it kind of like take for someone? to realize that that's just, not okay exactly stop, like just stop bullying it's yeah. like i don't i honestly that's one thing in the world that just i can never wrap my head around mm. is how people get satisfaction over yelling horrible things at people mm. like what just laughing at someone like i'd like there's no like concept of what if i was putting themselves in their shoes mm. what if i was, what if that was me mm. they just that just does not like yeah come into their yeah. yeah, and like I said, like it would take something horrible for someone to actually be like, wow, everything that I was doing, all those little things that yeah. I didn't think were a big deal, yeah. um, were having a huge impact on this person who's yeah. already got shit going on that you don't even know about, mm-hmm. and you're contributing to it. Yeah. Which could push them over tip the edge. someone over the edge. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would never say that a bully is the cause of someone killing themselves, Yeah. but they did 100% contributed to Add it. Add to it, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm part of being a teenager which is awful and not an excuse but like i know it's you either you fall into two categories yeah yeah it's a shame that high school is like this like divided like that yeah and like Mm -hmm. this place where like it's just known that there are bullies and that Mm -hmm. there's potential people that are going to get bullied but but it's a shame that people say well that's just high school it's like Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be like that and being a young teenager going through all of the emotions that you're already figuring out or going through yeah. figuring out who you are and then on t- on top of it to get bullied mm-hmm. for who you are yeah mm. it's just so fucked if i'm honest it actually it is actually, i've just got another words like, and yeah. also like you'll never forget that no absolutely but other people will just forget about it because... and that's the thing i bet my bully can't even remember me or my face mm. and whereas him i will never forget his face yeah for the rest of my life he's ingrained in that because he caused me so much pain yeah and get it his mum worked at the school and really every time i saw her i wanted to be like you know your kids are like racking my brain right wow. now but she wasn't a nice person so <laughs> well there it is well like it. she's probably a bully too she's apple probably like you deserve it <laughs> what's the thing apple doesn't fall far from, from the tree yeah. i'll uh, tell you who it is off here oh, oh. scandal <laughs> first she's anonymous and then now she's giving us one of those going back to you saying that um, during the level three lockdown, you experienced a depressive episode. I don't yeah. know if that would, yeah, what would right. you call it? Yeah. yeah. How would you kind of compare that to going back to school with your depression mm-hmm. um, to this episode? How would you kind of? Yeah, I mean, a completely different, like polar opposites. Doing mm-hmm. it as a teenager and doing it as an adult. I mean, like now I'm flatting, so there was, I think probably like four or five months where I was going back and forth between my parents' house and my flat. Genuinely, like not very dramatic, but it was like, you yeah. know, I couldn't be in my flat anymore. It was becoming a safety risk. Uh-huh. So my parents very quickly caught on that, you know, if I turn up at the house at, at the middle of the night, like I'm bad. Yeah. Something's not right. Something's not right. Yeah. So um, there was that element to it of like actually having to, I was kind of forced to ask for help. I didn't really have a choice because um, I couldn't hide it. I was showing up at their house in the middle of the night like in tears yeah. and like, mm. Um, I have an emergency bag in my wardrobe that's just like I can grab and go if I need to and has like overnight stuff. And then like work, like I had to take time off of work for mm-hmm. my mental health and that's not a fun thing to do. No. A lot of guilt, which I'm trying to, I've been trying to work through. Yeah. Um, I reached out 
to the crisis team. My counsellor, who I've had for a few years, um, told me to ring the crisis line, which is genuinely one of the scariest things I've done because of my experience when I was 16 and being kind of told I wasn't bad enough. Mm. I was petrified of that happening again. And I was like, if this, if they say that again, I can't take that. Mm. And I was kind of putting myself on the line and being really vulnerable. And I'm very fortunate that I had a, an incredible experience this time. Did you just want to quickly explain what the crisis team is or do you call do you win yep so it's a 24-hour number that anyone can call anywhere in new zealand 24 hours a day you don't need to have called them before you just pick up the phone they answer they're there like yeah and essentially that's what i did and it was incredible how fast they worked i I got a caseworker um i got a psychiatrist and they got me into respite so mental health respite house Literally the next day after I called them, like it was just everything incredible. free. Everything's free. Don't pay a cent. Wow, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, because we were on, well, we were in level three. I didn't see anyone face to face. It was all over the phone. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then next day I was dropped off at the respite center, and yeah. Do you want to tell people? Because when you told me about that situation, I was like amazed by what you told me yeah. about your experience there and I actually didn't even know maybe just tell everyone about like mm-hmm. that place and what they offer for you because I didn't even really know that mm-hmm. that was an option mm-hmm. so it's literally just a house like couldn't get any more like a house has seven bedrooms um and it's a respite center so you you cannot be a, a risk to yourself to go because that's not what they cater for right um, it's essentially just a place to go where you can recharge, you can rest, you can put yourself first. Um, there's um, a nurse and a healthcare assistant on shift all the t- 24-7. I was there for seven days, which is um, most people are there for three to five days, and I was there for seven. And I can't express to you how life-saving that was. Mm-hmm. Sorry, the dog keeps snoring in the background. Let's just carry on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't explain. Like, that was... And I and like you, Elise, like, I had no idea that that existed. Like, mm, no one knows. Like, that is... That. Yeah. Well, your typical, you know, average Joe mm-hmm. would think, if I call a crisis line, I'm going to end up in a... I mean, a, this psych a psych ward, as yeah. people call it. Yeah. yeah. With... People who are like, you know, way yeah, more exactly. um, ill than I am and yeah. everyone will know and that's yeah, a really yeah. low point mm-hmm. and I think that that's what would put people off. So mm-hmm. I'm just amazed I was too. to hear about that. It was genuinely like a retreat. Like it was absolutely gorgeous. They had a sensory room where you could like meditate and they had an art room and they had a gym and they oh had gosh. like the outdoor area was just divine. Like and it you was get cook- just incredible. Uh, they cook for you? Three meals a day they cook for you. Um... Yeah. Amazing. Can you have visitors or can you leave and come back? So outside of lockdown, you're allowed to go for walks and yep. you're allowed to have visitors. They can come, People can come and visit you. But because I went in level three, I wasn't allowed to leave like and I lockdown. wasn't allowed visitors. That's yep. right, yeah. I wasn't even allowed to go for a walk around the block, which usually you're allowed to. Yeah. But they, were, they had to be pretty strict, you know. And obviously, um, I mean, that sounds like, like we've just said, like an amazing place. So what do you think the criteria, criteria mm. word again is yeah. for... For someone like you to be able to get in there, yeah. um, given that I bet, like, especially in lockdown, mm. people, you know, there'll be yeah. lots of people going through lots of things. Yeah. So what do you think about yeah. your situation? Um, you need to be assessed by a psychiatrist in order to get, be able to go in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, the crisis team um, got me a psychiatrist to assess me. Also, you have to be on medication to be there, which was a massive thing for me because I've never medicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my depression or anxiety 
that was a compromise that we had to make was she was like I'll let you go to respite but you you have to be on medication while you're there um so for seven days I took antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication and then I haven't told my caseworker or anyone this but I stopped as soon as I left yeah because I don't want to be medicated okay it was just what I had to do to be in respite because I think you were telling me at the time that the antidepressants, like the the anxiety um, medication is obviously like situational, like right there, yes. it helps you. Yeah. But the antidepressants is more of a long journey, It takes it? like up to 12 weeks to work. Mm. Which to me, I'm like, why can't I just like better myself in those 12 weeks mm. rather than just sit and wait for pills to work? And in the meantime, I'm feeling nauseous and I'm struggling to sleep and I'm feeling dizzy because, because of taking of medication. Yes, it is side effects taking Oh, with any medication, yeah. yeah. Um, and sometimes you need a way up, like, okay, are those side effects making me worse in the sense of, like, would I just rather put up Are they that? manageable? Yeah. Uh, yeah, or is it actually just making me not worse. helping the situation? That's right, yeah. Yeah. And I think being there, I realised with the mental health system, my experience, because I was thinking, you know, oh, maybe the mental health system isn't as bad as people say it is. Like, maybe it's, you know, good. And I was really happy with my experience, but being there made me realise that that's not the case. And I was incredibly fortunate to have the experience that I had and to have the caseworker. Honestly, I can't speak highly enough of him. He's incredible. Mm. Um, and I'm the exception, not the rule. And yeah. mm-hmm. there are so many people out there who just have had the most horrendous experiences with the mental health system, which is devastating and infuriating. Mm. Yeah, That's a case of luck. Yeah. It's, a, it's a case of who picks up the phone that day. Yeah. Have you got someone who's amazing? Or have you got someone who's over their job and... Wants to go home for the day? Yeah. 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 There's, I think there's always... lives on the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like... And I get that it's hard. Like, they have hard work. Yeah. And they have limited resources. Yeah. Especially over lockdown. Can't imagine how many yeah. calls they've gotten. Yeah. But you have to remember that you're literally holding this yeah. person's life in your hands in that moment. Yeah. Like, if they had said to me, sorry, you don't meet our criteria. Oh, my God. Like, they did oh, when I was 16. No, 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 no. I'm, I can't even imagine where I would be. Right, I'm, mm. it's scared to scary to think. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm so grateful for you. Um, yeah, that that's why that that's how that worked out. Because mm-hmm. honestly, it's just it's quite scary. So then you left the left the respite after seven days. Uh huh. Yep. Um, so Chucked my your meds in the bin. Chucked my meds <laughs> yeah. in the bin. Yeah. Actually, didn't take them with me out of respite, mm-hmm. so they should have thought something was up. Oh my god. <laughs> Like, this girl just got a really nice holiday here. Yeah. <laughs> Who was that girl? Yeah. And then kind of what... Yeah. How do you feel leaving? Did you feel... Like a new person. Amazing. But also really scared to go back home to normal life, you know. Yeah. Um, I had taken, obviously, the week off of work and given myself an extra few days just to really get, get back into home. Yeah. I was going back to my parents' house, not back to my flat. So an extra couple of weeks at my... My parents' house went back to work kind of slowly, gradually, online teaching. Um, and was doing good. Had my ups and downs, like, as per usual. And, like, even now, and it's been, I'd say, six to four weeks mm-hmm. since I left respite. Um, I still have my caseworker ringing me twice a week. We see each other once a week. We're still working really closely together. I'm still struggling, not going to lie. Mm-hmm. But, like, looking back to where I was before respite, just I'm a completely different person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you can you feel that you're going, you're moving forward. Forward, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm realizing progress isn't linear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like you think that it's just going to be an uphill, like gradual up. It's not. Like you can crash yeah. some days, and yeah. 
my family and I now have a traffic light system. So they'll, my mum mom will text me and be like, traffic light, and I'll say green. If I'm good, I'm fine. Orange, if I'm struggling, and red, it's like, you need to call my crisis team. Like, this is bad. Mm. Yeah. Um, Really easy way of doing it. Highly suggest it. Um, And that's nice because, like, it's not like you're getting a text all the time from your mum being like, how are you? Are you okay? Yeah, tell me everything. Yeah. 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 It's just like, you can respond, like, how you... Yeah. And, and, yeah, there's no real... All I can say is orange. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. If If I'm struggling. And she knows exactly what that means. She knows not to push any further. Yeah. Yeah. And the way that we've done this is the organization that owned the respite center has a family liaison person so mm-hmm. we, we met with her over zoom and she was incredible like answering my mum's questions and and providing us with resources and things so that was one of the things she provided us which and is also amazing because that amazing that Again. would be really really hard for any parent to exactly. navigate yeah, yeah they're thinking about the family because mm. like they was... want you to be able to go home like leave their yes. center and mold back into your life yeah. and still be able to work through these things yeah. and not just reality hits the moment you walk out the door and you've, you know. And that was part of the reason that I went into respite was because my mum wasn't really coping with me. Yeah. Like she was absolutely giving me her all 100% of her support, but she was depleting her mental health for me. Mm. Um, so that was one of the big reasons why I went into respite so that she could have a week to recharge and look after herself. And know that you're in safe hands at exactly. the same time. And that's what she said. It's like that made a huge difference because she knew I was safe and I was being looked after. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I think a few days, I think Wednesday, I had my first green day in months. Um, and then the next day was an orange and mm-hmm. you know, it's up and down. Every day is different. And mm. I just need to have faith that I'll continue to go up. Yeah. And this episode is coming to an end. Yeah. And because you've been through so much, you, like, hopefully that would give you the kind of, you know, like, obviously at the time it's really hard, but you know you can do it. Yeah. Because you've been there before. I've done it before. You've done it before. Do it again. Yeah. yeah. And you 100%. know you've got the support. And I think as well with your parents, like, them helping you and, like, with this traffic light system, it's good to see that they know how to support you in the right way and not push you too far mm-hmm. um and it's like if when you're going through this they can also know how to go through it and help you with it yeah um and that's with your team your um yeah um yeah with your crisis team and yeah. and working together is is just amazing yeah i'm so glad that you yeah. found the the right person for you yeah and it's an incredible feeling is i i literally have a team around me made up of friends family um my crisis team professionals yeah, yeah. Like I have a whole team around me, yeah, and like which is amazing because some people, most, yeah, really don't. And that's like that all happened because I reached out. Mm. It happened because you know I called my best friend when I was on the floor having a panic attack. Mm-hmm. And I went to my parents' house and said I'm bad. I rang the crisis. Like I did all that. It doesn't come to you. You need to reach out and you need to say. You need to do it for yourself, otherwise it's not going to happen. And I'm not going to like. I'm not going to lie. That's bloody hard to mm. do, yeah. but it's worth it. Like yeah. And yeah, you should be really, really proud of yourself because that's, that's, I think that's the main thing that a lot of people struggle with is they find it too awkward to talk to people or yeah, maybe they've had a bad experience um, like you originally Mm -hmm. and that was enough to be like, I don't want to try again. I'm just going to deal with this myself or not seek help. And Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, it's huge. And even you, the relationship that we've had, like you calling me, even if I was just your one person. You still told someone. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, keep it inside and, and yeah. let it stew on you and then just all explode. Like, yeah. 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 Like you knew so you needed important. the help and you were going to mm-hmm. do what you needed to do. Even yeah. when you called me and said that you were at that facility. Um, 
you know, it's just like, holy heck, like, thank you for calling me. Yeah. How amazing that you called me and told me that because yeah. I... You had no idea. I would have had no idea. Yeah. And you bloody keep me on my toes. And you constantly, <laughs> like, having you in my life has taught me a lot as well because it, yeah. it constantly reminds me that... Like, we've all got those friends that we don't talk to that often. Mm. But you think, yeah, I'm, I'm a good friend to that person or I'm there when they need me. Yeah. But but far out. Like, I could have talked to you two weeks beforehand. Mm-hmm. I probably did. And then mm-hmm. that day you're there. And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. I always joke that you don't need university to be a counsellor. Like, you've got me. Why do you need university? Like, I am <laughs> yeah. putting you through the ringer. Like. <laughs> but, but even, like, yeah, being your friend and seeing you go through all of that like that's also one of the reasons why I am starting to be a counsellor because yeah because yeah being, being kind of exposed mm-hmm. to that kind of thing mm-hmm. in yeah. in high school was some real life shit mm-hmm. that some people don't get exposed to until maybe they go through their first divorce that they lose that's a loved right. one or something exactly. like that yeah. mm. like obviously I've gone through it as well yeah without even realizing it at the time can you tell us a few points that you've learned through your experiences with mental health yeah I think one of the biggest ones and one of the hardest ones is being kind to yourself, like actually acknowledging and realizing how you're talking to yourself. Like if I'm having a hard day, I bloody make myself pay for it. Like mm-hmm. I beat yeah. myself up over it. Yeah. And I'm trying to correct that and think, actually, no, like, you know, have a little bit more empathy. Like if your friend was going through this, would you tell them to suck it up? And, mm. yeah, you know, they've reached their quota for bad days, you know? And how do you reframe those thoughts? Because that's something that, like, Everyone, Everyone does. does. Absolutely. And like, you know, it could be like weight or it could be what I'm eating mm, or like yeah, anything, right. anything yeah. like that. That's a huge one for me. Yeah. And my brain is just like, yeah, fuck the things I say to myself. I'm yeah. like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Stop it. Because yeah. if one of you two came to me and said, you know, exactly, I would never say that to you. And yeah, yeah but that's something that I really struggle with is how do you reframe those thoughts I find them really and I think everyone else does as well but I find it just like a thing that I can't control mm. and I know that you, you you will be able to and it obviously takes practice but have yeah. you learned anything in terms of I've been trying to do it for years mm. and I'm only just making a dent because a lot of the time it's self- subconscious you have no idea like you don't even realize so the first step is realizing when and not trying to change them but just realizing okay this is the way i'm talking to myself right now mm. and eventually when you learn to actually recognize the way you're talking to yourself then you can start reframing that thinking and it's a hard thing to do and i'm absolutely nowhere near there but mm-hmm. i think when you start doing that it's a, it's a whole nother thing like so you kind of change the way like you know rather than than being like oh i had such a shit day mm. um you know for for these reasons would it be kind of like, okay, but I did this. Like, we're talking with the walk. Like, it's more like, oh, why am I still feeling this way? Why Why can I, am I not getting better? Why am I feeling shit? Like, you really got to put yourself out of this. And reframing that to be like, actually, you've had a few really good days. Like, let yourself have a bad day. Like, this yeah. is what depression is. Just ride it out. You'll be okay. Like, have more empathy for yourself. Mm. Like, don't be so hard and critical on yourself. And I think we all have the bar of expectation way too high for ourselves. Mm. Yeah. And we need to lower it. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. It's so hard to do sometimes, hey? Like... Oh, it's oh, it's so much easier said than done. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a practicing thing. Mm. Yeah. I, I try, I, yeah, definitely try and do that. Like, I'll be like, no, you know, like, it's okay that you're feeling like this because this has happened. Mm. Like, you're, if something's happened, you're allowed to be upset about it. You yeah. don't, or... Just feel those emotions that you're feeling and, and not just be like, nope, yeah. I'm not and allowed to feel like that. Yeah. Acknowledge why you're feeling it. And when you do acknowledge why you're feeling it, 
it actually makes a lot more sense that it is okay mm-hmm. for you to feel that. Yeah. Be your own best friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really like that. Got to look out for number one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so there's something called a sp- the spoons theory. Mm-hmm. So it's everyone wakes up in the morning with a certain amount of spoons and the spoon is a metaphor for your energy for the day. So for example, Elise, who doesn't have depression, could wake up with 100 spoons in the mm-hmm. morning. If I'm having a really depressive episode, I could wake up with 10. So you use one spoon to get out of bed, one spoon to eat and make your breakfast, and one spoon to get ready for work. So you've used three spoons, you have 97 spoons to use for the rest of your day. I wake up with 10, I take two to get out of bed, three to make and eat breakfast, and four to shower and get dressed. I have one spoon for the rest of the day. So that's me laying in bed or laying on the couch and literally not be able to do anything for the rest of the day because I've used all my spoons just to get up and start my day. Mm, Whereas wow. you have 97 spoons, so you can drive to work and you can do make a coffee and you can do friends. that. Yeah. And like, you don't feel it because you've just got so many spoons. Uh-huh. Whereas someone who has depression, not only do they have less spoons, but it costs more spoons yeah. more to, do. to do the simple things. Wow, that's which really is, interesting. puts another perspective on like, it really is impossible. Like, it doesn't just feel impossible. It doesn't just, you know, like, it, it really is. Like, it really... It actually is for that it. person. Yeah. yeah. Did you learn that? Did you come up with that yourself? No, I did, I did not. I'm not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's like a therapy thing. Yeah. Yeah. I really wow. like that. It's really interesting. It's a really good analogy it's a good to, way like, to put things in perspective. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a really good way, like, yeah, perspective for... That aren't people like us, but you know, like it, it, it really kind of does put things into perspective, right. explains it to yeah. someone who, and you're like, you're right, like we are lucky to get up and like we obviously go through things too, but like, you know, on a, mm. on a normal day when we're feeling good, mm. abundance of spoons. We will, we've got fucking millions yeah, of spoons, spoons yeah. you know, <laughs> and we'll just, yeah, yeah. we're like, we we'll just take them for granted because yeah. you don't, yeah, you don't realize, but depression costs a lot of spoons. Mm. Yeah. Those yeah. spoons. Could wow. always use more spoons. I really like that. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Okay, so then, like, what kind of advice do you have for other people who are struggling mm. with their mental health? Like I said, one of the things I've learned over this depressive episode is how important it is to reach out. And it's petrifying. Like, in those moments before I told anyone or before I rung anyone or before I went to my parents, it was really scary because you're really vulnerable because once you let it out, it's out there. It's real. And you just have the hope that they receive it and are kind with it because it's a very vulnerable place to be in. But I cannot, I cannot say how important it is. And, you know, it can be a friend, it can be a family member, but it can also be the crisis line or yeah. lifeline. Like, you can reach out to a complete stranger. And it doesn't, I'm not saying that's any easier but you're at least telling someone and you're starting that ball rolling of sharing the weight and not just taking it on your own. Because mm. no one should have to go through life dealing with that kind of thing no. on their own. Yeah. Ever. No. And you shouldn't have to live your life in that state. Mm. Like life just should not be... No. Oh, this is such a simple thing to say. But, mm. you know, I, I see it as like life just... Things come your way, bad things happen, 100%. It's life, you go through it. But no one should live their life mm-hmm. in such a state and continue being in that state. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, 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 yeah, you need to get the help and, yeah. and reach out to people. Yeah. Another thing is, progress, like I said before, progress isn't linear. And I think the sooner you realize that, 
you're also going to be a little bit kinder to yourself. So it kind of relates back to that. You're going to have hard days and you're going to have good days. And it, just because you have one really good day doesn't mean the next day is going to be like that. Yeah. And overall, you may be making progress. It may not feel like it. It may not look like it. But when you, you'll get to a point where you look back and you think, actually, I have made a lot of progress. It hasn't felt like it sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I have made a lot of progress and look how far I've come. And all the little things that you're doing that they are all contributing to you getting better. Yeah. But you just don't realise it at the time. No. Yeah. So important to like acknowledge the little things that yeah that you ones. are doing. Um and they don't need to be massive wins yeah. as such, but like anything is progress. Mm-hmm. And so just acknowledging yeah, even if you had a bad day but then you had two good days, it's acknowledging that is so yeah. important I feel. Mm. Or even one good day. Like I had mm. my first good day on Wednesday and like I just like lived that day like oh so much Mm. (laughs) like it was your last (laughs) yeah 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 it's really important to do you journal i do yeah yes tell me about that because yeah i feel like that's really good it's huge yeah and i can go months without an entry if i don't feel like i have anything to say if like things are pretty good nothing to say or i could write twice a day for Mm. a month you know it's just getting it out of your head Mm. like it's just getting it out I, and and like putting it on paper, it's yeah. like, I get like, we've said this before, but it becomes real and you mm. can actually see yeah. your emotions in front of you. Mm. And also the cool thing about handwriting is like, you're just going for it. Like there's yeah. no backspacing. You can't. Yes, that's right. It's just from brain to paper. Yeah. It <laughs> doesn't sound right, but you know what I mean? Yeah. You're just getting it out. And yeah. once you've written it, you kind of can't go back, that's which right. I think mm-hmm. is yeah. the cool thing. And you can look back yeah. on your progress. And the other thing is like, if, for example, if you're going through a breakup and like, you feel like it's the end of the world and you're never going to mm-hmm. find someone else, you go back into your journals and like, you know, here's a breakup. And then for like a few, like obviously <laughs> a lot more than a few pages, here's another one. Yeah. And like, I got through those. And like, I'm fine now. Whereas yeah. here's me writing about how it's the end of the world. And I'm never going to find someone. Literally. And you have, are actually reading. I remember how I felt when I wrote that. And I'm fine now. Like, mm. I got through that, and, like, that's really therapeutic too. Yeah. Because you forget. Mm. Yeah. So on the other side of that, um, what would you say to people who have no experience with mental health or mm. um, have no one around them that, yeah, are going through that? Yeah. I completely understand how when you have no experience with mental health personally or with anyone around you it's a really hard thing to wrap your head around Mm -hmm. because it's a completely invisible illness so it's really easy to label as fake or you're just being dramatic or whatever it is a tangible thing in the sense of it's a chemical imbalance in your brain so your brain is not doing something that it's made to do Mm -hmm. which is give you the correct amount of serotonin which is your happy hormone so it is an actual thing. Like it's, it's your brain isn't working the way it's meant to. So it's the same as if you had, I don't know, appendicitis. Your appendix isn't working the way mm. it's meant to. Or if you had a, like this is extreme, but if you had a heart attack, your heart isn't working. Yep. It's the same thing, but it's your brain. Yeah. And it's... Which is massive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> your brain is responsible for absolutely everything. And that's why depression can be so crippling. Mm-hmm. So I can get why, because it's an invisible illness, I can get why... It's really hard to understand. But I think when you realise that, it helps. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a big believer in you don't need to understand something. You just need to respect it. Like, you don't yeah. need to know everything yeah. about... You don't I need to be that. an expert on depression no. in order to help people. Because no one expects it. that. No. Of, of anyone. No, You know, like if you're not you a professional, no. people don't expect that. Well, you shouldn't expect that mm. of your loved ones or friends. Because, yeah. yeah, but as long as they're willing to 
yeah, I guess it's not understand, but like try and yeah, acknowledge that it's not something that you um, are an expert in, but that you're going to try and make this person feel like that doesn't matter Mm -hmm. and that you're still there for them the exact same as you would, you know, if you'd been through it yourself. And like from when I was, when I was 16 and my family pretty much had no knowledge or awareness of mental health, they tried their best. But they had no idea what they were doing. They didn't know anything about mental health. So although they were trying their best, some of the things they did and said kind of made things worse. Mm. Whereas now, completely different. You know, I've spent that good patch that I was saying those few years kind of educating them Mm. on mental health. So that now, I can't fault them. They've been flawless. Mm. And so they didn't understand mental health. They didn't know anything about depression but they cared enough to try and they cared enough to listen and to ask questions. And mm. that's all you need to do. Yeah. It's just try. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, if you've got someone that comes to you, you don't always need to have an answer for them, but it's yeah. sitting and letting them speak, letting them yeah. feel like they can just talk. Or that's been so heard. important. Yeah, yeah. I think that is in itself more important than knowing facts. 100%. Like, or knowledge. Yeah. You don't, and that's you know what? Like, like, if you don't know what you're talking about, just don't. Don't. No. Like, I think often, like, we'll get stuck in situations where someone comes to you with something and you're not knowledgeable on it or you don't have experience and you feel this, like, like I was saying, like, this urge to, like, want to fix them fix. or help them. Yeah. And I think it's really important to to realize, yeah, to, I guess to you acknowledge can't. your position in that relationship and in that situation. Yeah. And that you aren't a professional. Mm. Yeah. And all they just want, like, all they want to hear you say is, like, you know what? That is shit. That's shit. Yeah. 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 I can see why you would be feeling like that. Yeah. Like, holy heck. Like, I'm so proud of you. How, you know, like. You got out of bed. Yeah. 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 And that's so powerful is the realization of, actually, I don't need to give advice. I don't need to fix this. Mm -hmm. All I need to do is listen and I need to be here. Because I think. They've come to me. Yeah. They obviously feel comfortable talking to me. Exactly. Let's just allow them to speak. At the very let least, have the floor. let yeah. them feel heard. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think when people go to people and vent, these people they feel like, okay, I need to, I need to fix this. I yeah. need to give advice. I need to have an answer. But with mental health, you absolutely, unless you're a professional, yeah. you don't. Mm-hmm. Just let them talk and just validate them. And that's all. Because I think it's worse. Like when, when I yeah. vent to people and they think, okay, what can we do? How can we do this? Like, let's do this. Let's do this. And like, no, like, you know that makes it worse. Yeah, like, you know that's not going to help. Don't pretend you know. You don't mm. know. And you don't know me and my circumstances mm-hmm. and, like, everything's going to work differently for each person. Yeah. Like, I remember, um, well, because I mentioned in the last episode that I'm studying counselling, um, I went to see a lady that I know um, and we talked all about it and how I wanted to do it and then um, I, she, I said something to her because I, I hadn't started studying yet and so I think my idea of that, that role... Like, that job was quite different to what I realize that it is now, which is everything that we're talking about. But I think I said to her, like, oh, I just, someone comes to me with a problem, and I just want to, like, fix it. And, like, my brain will just break it down and, like, compartmentalize, like, you know, what's the problem? What's the person? What's the situation? And I just want to fix all those things. Mm -hmm. And she was like, hang on. (laughs) I was like, oh, shit. It was quite, like, um, jarring. Yeah, I was a little bit like, oh, I'll never forget that she kind of, actually corrected me which good on her and she was like no 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 like you need to realize now that no you don't need to fix this person it's not your job Mm -hmm. to fix them like the power of you just sitting there and listening to them and validating their feelings and working with them 
to figure out what's going to work for them. Like, that's your job. Yeah. Empowering them to make the change. Yeah. And empowering them to find the solution. So they can leave and tackle their life. If you're a professional, Oh, obviously. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm, yeah, because I'm talking about, obviously, me you're studying. You're studying. Yes, yeah. Counselor. But if you're a friend, don't try and empower no. them. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. Well, empowering's... Well, yeah, empowering. But, like, oh, I'm saying I have depression and I'm struggling and you're like... Let's go for a walk. I'm going to empower yeah. you to go. I like, don't yeah. know. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's a fine line. But yeah, that was just something that I, I I'm glad she told me back then, mm. like, um, a year ago now, because mm-hmm. like there's like theories and history on just listening and like <laughs> validating and all those simple things that yeah. people are like. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully, you don't mind me saying this, but how you said that when you first went to see went counseling in high school and you were like what is this doing as in yeah, like she's right. just sitting here nodding, nodding and, her head. Mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. must be really hard for you and you're like okay so i've left this room with what tools like yeah you know yeah. but actually look now you can look back and say you think she's she partly saved your life yeah because yeah that's amazing it was all of that was having so much more of an impact on you than yeah. you realize and yeah. i think people go to They'll be like, oh, you know, yeah, you just go to counselling and you pay them 150 bucks and they sit there and, like, nod at you and then you walk out, like, okay. With what? Yeah. Yeah. With what? But that, it's a process. Mm-hmm. It's a commitment. It's a two-way street. You, you're you not I think some people think. Yeah, I think some people think you walk in and then you just get this rule book or you get fixed, literally, mm-hmm. and then you walk out and you're like, cool, yeah. I'm a new person. It's, like, yeah. a long process, obviously. Yeah, and I think that, that, that just obviously translates to into how you are as a friend is just realizing that you just need to be there for them and just to, like just feel it with them. Like just tell them yeah. that you know that it's shit and mm-hmm. I can't fix this for you, but I'm here for you. Yeah. Validate, validate, validate. Yeah. That's it. On the topic of um friendships and something that we obviously see online all the time is these little these little like Instagram stories. That will say, you know, checking on your friends and that kind of thing. Maybe like once in um, that one month of the year, like suicide yeah. prevention month and that kind of thing. What to what extent is checking in for someone who is dealing with them? Is an Instagram health? post enough? Yeah, mm. or a um, a reply to someone's Instagram or yes. whatever. Here for you, kiss kiss. What does that mean? Yeah, see, that's like to me, that's not really opening the floor for conversations to, no, to start. No, it's not. I don't. I wouldn't personally feel comfortable then going back and say, "All oh, right, well, here Actually, you go." Yeah, yeah. Mm. you don't. When are you gonna say, you know, if they're no. like here for you, kiss kiss? You're not gonna be like, "Oh, thank God." Yeah, so, exactly. Oh, exactly. Where yeah. do I start? You yeah. actually haven't opened a door. No. no, you may have like cracked a window, but like yeah. that's not how they're gonna get in. Yeah. yeah, you need like that is still asking them to come to you mm-hmm. and initiate that conversation, which. More yes, often than so not, true. it's not going to happen. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, and then you feel like you've done your bit. But actually, because like, they know I'm always there for them. And it shouldn't just but, be a, I don't know, like a tick box. I've done my bit. Yeah. I've spoken out to them and said I'm here for them. Mm-hmm. It's not really that easy. If no. I had something on my mind, that message wouldn't encourage you to no. let it out. No. It's hard. It is hard though, because like, yeah, I, I think, like, but for some people, talking about emotions as hard as it is, mm-hmm. let alone trying to figure out or talk to someone else about their emotions, because they don't even know how to talk about their own. You know what I mean? So yeah, that, and pressures of what to say or how to approach a situation or... Not wanting to say the wrong thing. I, I reckon that's what stops a lot of people, is, like, they just put it in the too hard basket because they don't know how to navigate it. But, like, we were just talking before. Sometimes you don't no need words. to know, <laughs> yeah. you know? yeah. yeah. Like, hey, how are you? But, like, 
how I'm actually asking you, and I want an honest answer. Like, how are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. please tell me honestly. Mm-hmm. Lend an ear. Yep. It's huge with boys as well, eh? Like, it's really hard. It stresses guys. me out. Yeah. <laughs> like, mental health is taboo at best of times. Yeah. But mm. for guys, mm. and the suicide rates in New Zealand, far higher for men than girls. Mm. Yeah, like, it's just those quick little catch up, hey, how are you? things where you're not actually even asking them how they are it's kind of just habit and it's it's such a habit as well to say good thanks yeah how are you because that's what's that. expected yeah oh yeah that's like when someone's like hey how are you then i'm like i'm actually really strong yeah. like that's mm. not <laughs> yeah and a lot of the time you know that they're probably calling you for something yeah i just think it's it's so brushed it's brushed over mm. all the time yeah there's a lot of change that needs to happen there it will. Okay. Don't have all the answers, but I think it's, it's happening. Just, I think it's happening, yeah. but in, incredibly slowly. Slowly. Yeah. 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 But like, you be the change, you know? Like, yeah. You be part of it. So, with that being said, I think that pretty much wraps up our episode. Yeah. It's been a bit of a heavy one, but yeah. it's been a. It's important. Mm. And I think this will be relatable to lots and lots of people. Hopefully. I've definitely learned. I think a lot. Yeah. Um, thank you so much right. for having us. It was yeah. a privilege. We How do you feel? Woo. <laughs> I need like, I don't know what I need to do, but I need something. <laughs> I don't drink, but I need a drink. <laughs> um, yeah, we really appreciate you coming on and sharing your journey. Yeah. Um, With obviously not just us, but you're, you're talking into a microphone that like mm. a few people are going to... Quite a few people, yeah. Are going to hear. Just a couple, yeah. Which is like obviously... A credit to you and mm-hmm. your growth and like everything you've learned about speaking up and how important it is. Yeah, absolutely. and I, I feel like somebody will really, really benefit from listening to you and your and experiences. That's, that's the thing. Like at the end of the day, I'm doing this for people who are listening and struggling. Yeah. yeah. If one person can take something away from this, then absolutely. I mean, this is why Elise and I are doing this, and then this is why yeah. I wanted you to come on because, yeah, yeah it's just been really informative, and um, yeah, I think we're just really thankful that. I mean, that we know you, but also mm-hmm. that, yeah, you were willing to come on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for yeah. having Thanks me. Thanks for being our first yeah. guest. Yeah. You can put that on your CV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we're famous. Yeah. <laughs> just before we head off, I just want to say one more thing. If this episode brought up any difficult feelings or thoughts for you, please check out our bio to find some helpful resources. Remember, you are loved, cared for, and wanted, and our DMs are always open to absolutely anybody. Thank you for listening once again. We really appreciate it. Um, Remember, we're on Spotify and Apple Podcast. And And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.